This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined by Dr. Jim McDonald, who took over as acting commissioner of the state health department at the start of the year and was officially confirmed to the post by the state senate in June. Dr. McDonald, who is joining us for a Getting to Know You interview, has roots in the Capital Region and is board certified in pediatrics and preventive medicine. Before joining New York's health department, he worked for the Rhode Island Department of Health. Welcome to the show, Commissioner, and congrats on your confirmation. Dave, I'm happy to be with you and and great to be back home. Uh, You know, quite frankly, I've spent a lot of my career here, there and everywhere, and it's just delightful to be back home again. So your mother, brother, and grandfather were all practicing pharmacists at one time. So why did you decide to become a physician? You know, it's interesting. I was going to be a pharmacist, Dave. In fact, I actually had the application to Albany College of Pharmacy filled out with a $20 check for the application fee back then. And, you know, it was one of the things my dad said to me. He said to me, you know, if you really want to be a doctor, go be a doctor. And it, it, it was a big step of courage for me to become a physician, by the way. Like, I... I didn't have that template in my life of role models, so I could say, and it was just one of those things where everyone said to me, this isn't what we do. But, you know, I felt like I really wanted to help people, but yet I wanted to be the decision maker. And this is the thing about being a physician is you're a decision maker. And that's one of those things that was really important to me. And I just, quite frankly, I don't like being sick. I know no one likes being sick. I felt like I could be good at making people feel better. That was a lot of why I wanted to become a doctor. As the result of that choice, you've gone on a career trajectory that has taken you all over the country. So as a result, do you feel like you've gotten to have life experiences that you otherwise would have never even possibly imagined if you had just been a pharmacist, likely staying in probably one location or just sort of that same setting for most of your life? Absolutely. And it's really funny, Dave. I never saw myself as someone who traveled the world let alone just work all over in the world. I just, I didn't see that as part of my life growing up, nor did I see that when I was in medical school. I was always trying to get back to the Capital District, whether it was getting into medical school or internship or residency or every job, I was always trying to get back. It's just that the opportunities never presented themselves. The doors never opened. And so I was going where I was needed, hopefully wanted, and my career brought me a lot of places, quite frankly. I never expected to be practicing medicine 30,000 feet above the Pacific in the United States Navy, nor did I expect to be practicing medicine in the jungles of Guyana, nor did I expect to be practicing medicine on a Navajo reservation. And I, I never saw myself in Tennessee or Pennsylvania, but there I was, and I got a lot of other places in between. So my career surprised me quite a bit. Well, you mentioned opportunities. and. That makes me think about the top job at the state health department when when that opened up at the end of 2022. Did you have to campaign to become acting commissioner? And I guess regardless of how you got that elevation, what was appealing to you about the post at the time that made you accept the acting commissioner job when you got it? I did not have to campaign for it. In fact, when I was approached to take the job, I was surprised. And I thought about it for close to two or three seconds before I thought this would just be a great thing for me to do. I never had this on my bingo card in life, being the commissioner of one of the greatest health departments on the planet, but I'm thrilled to have it. It's one of those things where I I think in many ways, I was a convenient solution to an unexpected problem. Like most health departments don't have someone in their organization who's already run a health department, which I have done. As the governor's team got to know me and work with me and realized I was a very normal 
likable, approachable person who knew a lot about public health. I think people said, well, this makes a lot of sense. I was thrilled they did a national search. I mean, quite frankly, I heard some people who, you know, were interviewed and I'm colleagues, public health's a small world. And I was encouraging people to apply. I mean, but I was glad they chose me and I'm, I'm humbled and honored to do it. Rhode Island's population is about 1 million people compared to New York's population, which is about 19 times that size. So what was the biggest transition about that differentiation in population as you move to take on this much larger health department role? Yeah, Rhode Island's very different. It's a very hospitality-driven economy, also a very deeply blue state. New York is very diverse. New York is huge. You know, you could almost call this the United States of New York. I mean, there's a reason why people associate New York State with welcome to the country. But New York is so diverse. It's not really blue or red. There's a lot going on in this state. You know, it's funny, when I was the Office of Public Health Medical Director, my first job here, I just took it upon myself to meet every county health director. And one of the things I really saw about New York as I talked to every one of our 56 county health directors was, you know, New York is primarily a rural state. Oh, oh there's a fair amount going on between 87 and 90 of urbanness. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of trees in this state and a lot of green space. And there's just a lot of good people here. But the poverty in New York surprised me. The wealth disparities in New York surprised me again. But quite frankly, just the diversity of how people had to navigate the pandemic very much surprised me as well, which was it was good for me to learn about New York that way. And so there's a lot to still learn about New York, and I still am. In meeting the public health directors around the state, what was your impression of the capacity of some of these local departments? Because I know just from interviewing a handful of public health directors, county health commissioners, whatever the title is, my perspective is that there's been a variety of talents and capacities. What was your sense of the people that you met? Yeah, I met a lot of really good, hardworking professionals who had a very deep understanding of their local jurisdiction, who all mentioned though that they were rebuilding their health department. And they all shared with me, you know, quite frankly, I was doing meet and greets, but they all told me their pandemic story. And one of the things I saw in common was how hard their team worked during the pandemic, how hard it was to work in the actual pandemic, though, not just working hard, but just how hard it was to work in public health during the pandemic and how they really need to rebuild their local health department. Everyone sort of told me the same things. Finding a public health nurse was really a challenge. And and this was important for me to get a sense of what's going on boots on ground across the state, because those were some commonalities. But we're talking about a very diverse state. You know, Hamilton County, one of the smallest counties in the United States, is up there with Onondaga County, one of the larger counties in our state. You know, there's there's different needs based on the counties and, and different ways that people want to hear about public health and learn about public health. Well, let me reintroduce you if listeners uh, just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Dr. Jim McDonald, the commissioner for the New York State Health Department. And you mentioned the battling of the pandemic by counties all over the state, something the state health department had to take on as well. And it's been more than three and a half years since COVID-19 arrived in New York. And while the formal declarations of a health emergency are behind us, the virus is still used to justify, say, emergency state regulations. So how do you think of this current stage we're in? For example, is it akin to a perpetual flu season, but for COVID-19, is it something else? How do you think about it? I like the idea of thinking it will someday 
be like a perpetual flu season, but I really needed to get seasoned out at some point. Like, in other words, we need this virus to become seasonal. And since it hasn't become seasonal yet, it is like a perpetual flu season. I just got over COVID myself, three and a half years of this thing, and I just got over COVID. Today is my first day back in the office. <laughs> and I will tell you, you know, I'm up to date in the vaccine, but I got the Paxlovid. It really was interesting to me how often I was exposed and never got it. I finally got it, right? So part of what I just think that's different, though, is like, I don't think most of us think about COVID anymore, but it's hard to ignore it. And quite frankly, we're going to have to keep living with it. I look at COVID as a preventable, treatable disease. You know, I was, I started getting symptomatic on a Friday. I tested positive, you know, a few hours after my symptoms were there. And then I had Paxlovid in my mouth 22 hours after my first symptom. So, it, and that's, that's important to illustrate, I think, how that works that way. Like, I didn't see that coming in my career, that we'd be able to have a viral infection diagnosed within a few hours of symptoms. And then, Dave, symptomatic and curative treatment within 24 hours of treatment. Like, I'm an old doctor, and I never saw that in medical school as being possible. I think it just speaks to some of the marvel of science we live in, that this is possible. So, one of return back to your roots, which are at least partially in retail, uh, where you can learn the importance of the customer experience and consumer satisfaction. So when you think about that background and your new job, do you think there are opportunities for the state health department to improve its interactions with New Yorkers? You know, I think every city agency needs to look at its mission, right? And, and to me, one of my big messages to our staff is, you know, we are the state's health department, but we're the state health department for all of the state. So I'd like our transactions to be always professional, always timely, always efficient, trying to address people's needs. But quite frankly, we do this under umbrella of three different concepts. One is we're trying to address health equity all the time. We're trying to improve social determinants of health all the time. And we're trying to eliminate health disparities all the time because that's what every transaction should eventually lead to us who is eliminating a health disparity improving someone's social determinative health and trying to ensure health equity for everybody who calls new york a place where they live work or play i'm curious how if at all you think your experience in the navy will inform your approach to leading the state health department the Navy was very, very good to me. You know, I learned a lot about leadership in the Navy. I learned a lot about how to inspire people in the Navy. I also learned the importance of following rules in the Navy. One of the things I also saw in the Navy was I met the planet through the Navy. Like, quite frankly, I met people from all over the world during my six plus years in the Navy, and it really expanded my view of the planet. It's also where I learned the world was round, and I, I don't know why you need this story, Dave, but I was doing a medevac flight from Okinawa, Japan to Tripler Army Medical Center in Hawaii, and this is before September 11th, and I remember, you know, I was the pediatrician for my patient, but I remember before we were, as we're getting ready to land into Pearl Harbor, which is a cool thing to do, by the way, I remember going up to the cockpit because you could do that back then. And the pilot said to me, look, Jim, the world is round. I said, I knew the world is round. He said, no, no, now you know the world is round because you can see the arc of the earth. And as I saw the sunrise over this beautiful arc of the earth, it was one of those wonderful, wonderful Navy memories that you really only get in the Navy. So uh, the Navy was very, very good to me. And after a quick break, we'll have more with Dr. Jim McDonald, who was confirmed by the state Senate in June to serve as commissioner of the New York State Health Department.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Jim McDonald, who was confirmed in June to the job of state health commissioner. And before the break, we were talking about your experience uh, in the Navy. So I'm curious how your experience in a hierarchical structure like the military will translate to your new bureaucratic role, especially with your relationship with Governor Kathy Hochul. Do you get more autonomy now than you might have had in the military, or is your job primarily to be the governor's delegate. Yeah, so I understand chain of command. That's one of the things you learn in the Navy really quickly is the importance of chain of command. The vast majority of running a state health department is really up to me and my team. There are times, though, when we need to talk to the governor about things. Quite frankly, the governor has been very receptive to everything I've talked to her about. She's given me a lot of autonomy. I mean, I, I think she's been very just generous with her time with me and her staff have been wonderful. I feel like it's a partnership. No, quite frankly, I've just really enjoyed. One of the things I like about Governor Hochul a lot, though, is that she gets public health. She understands social determinants of health. She's really trying to improve the health and well-being of every New Yorker. And it's it, you saw that in the last State of the State speech, by the way. And I think you saw that with the budget. We're trying our best to improve the health and well-being of every New Yorker. And that's all I could ever ask for as a commissioner of health. So during your decade in Rhode Island, uh, you placed uh, a heavy emphasis on using harm reduction to combat the opioid epidemic there. And I read in City and State that while in Rhode Island, you helped create the state's pilot program for safe consumption sites where essentially illegal drugs can be consumed under medical supervision in order to prevent overdoses. Without action by New York State Legislature on this issue, what opportunities, if any, do you see for the state health department to promote the same harm reduction technique? For example, are you limited to, say, soft power and kind of rallying behind existing private operations? Or or do you feel like your department has enough regulatory authority to formally back overdose prevention centers in some capacity? It's interesting. Like in Rhode Island, I led the group that actually put the regulations in place for overdose prevention centers in Rhode Island. I you know, was very helpful speaking for the department as far as getting legislation understood so it could be passed. And really an important part of the governor's task force in Rhode Island about making sure it was understood so people could know how it fit in. But it's interesting. There won't be a harm reduction center or overdose prevention center opening in Rhode Island probably until May of 2024. And I, I say that to say that we did all that work, but we just haven't gotten across the finish line of Rhode Island yet getting it opened. I remember that very distinctly because I remember New York City opened too. And I remember having a conversation with the Department of Justice, you know, the one in DC. And like I said, how did they just do this? And the point was they didn't need a law, they just did it. And I, but my point to that is like, it's interesting to me how this has happened in New York and it's happened pretty organically through the city. I don't think the Department of Health can on its own just sort of regulate it or create these. I don't see that in our authority. What I do see us doing though is having a lot of conversations with anyone who wants to about what they are and more importantly, what these are not. One of the things I know the Department of Justice in DC liked about what we did in Rhode Island was these were licensed facilities. Cities and towns could, you know, yes or no these because that was really important. And these were regulated facilities and they liked that there was a state law that was behind it. That's what I remember hearing from the DC Department of Justice. 
having said that, I don't know where we're headed as a country with these things. And I think one of the things every state's kind of wondering is, federal government, would you please point us in the right direction on this? It's part of the solution, many of us think, to address the overdose epidemic. So we'd like to know, federal government, do you have any word of wisdom for us? Can we do this? And that's something that we're still waiting for. You even see that with Philadelphia and the safe house they're trying to open. They still haven't come to an agreement with that, which, you know, to me, these are the type of things that we really, states need these things in order to move forward, you know, comfortably. Are you frustrated by the debate in New York and I guess more nationally around harm reduction tools? Because it seems, at least my perspective, that the science and what that tells us is not necessarily embraced by politicians or the general public. Yeah, Dave, I'm an old public health physician. I don't think I get frustrated anymore about <laughs> anything. I just persevere. And, and the reason I just frame it that way, friend, is, you know, a lot of public health is about perseverance. You know, my big philosophy here at the New York State Department of Health is I will try to explain the why of things, and then it often helps people decide what to do. Because if you understand the why, People have a much better ability to understand what to do. When it comes to overdose prevention centers, if you look at the science and the data around it, it's very, very reassuring. These are safe places. But quite frankly, I find these are better conversations in small groups with people, one-on-one sometimes, to help people understand what they are, but really more importantly, just what they're not. Well, would you like to use your new bully pulpit to at least promote the overdose prevention centers that are operating privately or to try to change minds and influence people about the merit of this as a harm reduction tool? My first year as commissioner, I'm doing a lot of listening and and I go where I'm I'm asked, but I do a lot of listening and hearing what are the needs of various communities. And, And part of what I would say is, you know, if you have a bully pulpit as commissioner, I think it's important to address all the needs of the state because there are a lot of them. Um, So I I don't know that I'm going to pick a favorite issue just yet. I'm really going to be more listening about all the issues that affect the state right now. And there are many. When we spoke with your predecessor, one of the big issues that she was focused on internally was rebuilding the health department so it could be uh, an entity that is able to quickly and comprehensively respond to public health crises, including before they really become crises. I assume that's something that you're working on as well. And if so, what do you see as the timeline for creating the health department that New York needs? My top three priorities are one, rebuilding the Department of Health, two, forming partnerships wherever I can, and three, eliminating health disparities. But when you get to rebuilding the Department of Health, we are making progress here. You know, one of the things I saw in 2022 is we brought in a lot of people and it was wonderful to bring 850 new people into the New York State Department of Health in 2022. That was awesome. But Dave, we lost 850 people in 2022. So it was a zero sum game. In 23, we're consistently seeing us now add 30 to 40 people every two weeks. Since I look through reports every pay period, I'm hoping by the end of 23, we're really more so at full strength. Having said that, it's amazing how strong a department it is. This is the New York State Department of Health. I have world experts who work here. So, you know, we're, we're doing fine. But quite frankly, one of my biggest priorities here is rebuilding the department. You know, and what that means is not just hiring more people. Oh, I definitely want to hire people. And our, you know, we're hiring. But it's really about retaining people as well. I have a lot of great subject matter experts here. And I just, I don't want to lose them anymore. I, I want to keep our people. Well, finally, are you ready for a quick lightning round? Do your best you can. Let's see what I can do. What's better, a crispy chocolate chip cookie or a chewy chocolate chip cookie? Oh, chewy. I don't even know why that's a question. 
is it better to be a Mets fan during spring training when optimism abounds or during the actual regular season? Oh, it's spring training. And why is that? Oh, being a Met fan is about loyalty and perseverance, Dave. It's not about winning. I've been a Met fan since I was born. I can promise you this. It's about loyalty and perseverance. I'm part of being a fan. It's about being loyal. And that's me. And it's been a tough year, but I'm okay. As someone who grew up in Cohoes, uh, I have a two-part question. Is the capital region part of upstate? And where does upstate begin? My gosh, of course it's part of upstate. I, as far as I'm concerned, upstate begins around Westchester. Having been in the city quite a bit, there's a big difference once I get to Westchester. If you needed emergency surgery, who would you rather have operate on you? Dr. Oz, Dr. J, or Doogie Hauser, MD? Holy cow. That's tough. Can I get with none of the above on that one? Sorry. So you prefer just to try to do it yourself, skip the anesthesia, hold the mirror for me, and you, you just take care of it? If that can happen, I guess it will here. But it's like, I don't know, Doogie Hauser, God bless him, but he wasn't really a doctor. Dr. Oz, he's a talking doctor, not a cutting doctor. And Dr. J, God bless, he's got a jump shot, but I don't want him all over my abdomen. So my pediatrician made me stop seeing him after I graduated from college. Do you feel like that was a good decision on his part, or should I still be allowed to see him as a 36-year-old professional? Yeah, I'm a pediatrician too, and I'll tell you, Dave, once you get to be in your mid-20s, we really aren't trained to handle it. And one of the things I've said to my patients sometimes, like I see this sometimes when adolescents would acquire type two diabetes or hypertension, I'd say to them, I said, you've acquired adult diseases. I don't do them often. If I don't do them often, I don't do them well. If I don't do it well, I don't do it at all because I want the best for you. And my, 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 humble, my humble opinion is you're getting better care from someone who's better trained to take care of you once you get to that age. And I don't think 36 is old, by the way, uh, but you made the right choice. I, well, it was kind of forced upon me. Um, finally, if you and your brother, Assemblymember John McDonald, swap jobs, would you be a better politician or would he be a better health commissioner? He, I don't, I don't know that I can say he'd be better than I would at this. And I could not do his job. His job is much harder than mine. Oh my gosh, it is really hard to be an elected official. I, I tell you that as being an old public health physician. It is really hard to be an elected official. They, they have nothing but my greatest respect for what they do. I just think it's hard to keep everyone happy. Well, we've been speaking with Dr. Jim McDonald. He is a long-suffering New York Mets fan, and he's also the commissioner for the state health department. Uh, commissioner McDonald, thank you so much for making the time, and good luck with the job. Thank you, Dave. I hope you keep up the good and have a great. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org. 